Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Sunday, post-advanced Metcon workout here. So I am riding the struggle bus, but I will do my best to drop as much amazing information on you as possible without coughing or puking on myself. So let's see how it goes today. Uh, I got this from my homie, Travis Merritt. Again, Travis is putting out a lot of amazing stuff lately. Uh, Happy to have him in my circle. And uh, playing off of a blog post he shot over, we're talking fitness tips for those in their 30s. And in all reality, even if you're 40, 50, uh, you're in your 20s, these are all applicable to you. Um, I just think something special happens uh, when you're in your 30s since I've been in that you know decade of life here for quite some time. And uh, I thought it, it was fitting today as... We're going through the workout here, and we're just, you know, afterwards we're all done. We're all just, you know, a smoke show uh, from training through the day. And uh, two of the guys here, as they're heading out, uh, we're just kind of joking and talking. They're like, oh, you know, old guys are are making the board. Because uh, typically here uh, in our brick-and-mortar facility, we work with most people probably between the ages of 30 and uh, about 65. Now, we do have people over 65. We do have people under 30. But that would be the bulk of, of who we work with. And a lot of the dudes here that uh, really push it, are probably like right around 50, uh, nearing 50, just over 50, and kind of in that range. And and I need to say this with a caveat. They're in the best shape they've ever been in, by far, in terms of endurance, uh, speed, the strength, how they look. Uh, This is mind-blowing to see people, you know, who are, you know, 50 years old beating the the shit out of themselves at 25 years old like they're they're just way better they're they're faster they're stronger they get it and uh, as we're just joking you know there's hey old guys are making the board and they're talking about themselves and uh they're like you know hey you know give us credit you know we got through life without uh without the internet and i joke back i'm like well yeah you didn't have the internet i'm like i had you know oregon trail and number munchers was my version of you know basically the internet or ask jeeves uh, for you guys who are in my age bracket, and I promise you out there listening, Ask Jeeves is not Google by any means. So again, I uh, I struggled as well with the two. I remember even if I, as I date myself here, I remember being in elementary school, and uh, when we got the first computer with the internet, and that was like a super big deal. Now you can imagine kids have you know every kid has an iPhone and, and iPads and multiple computers in their house, and like we didn't have internet. I think in my home. Because, A.K.A., we didn't have a lot of money uh, until I was probably like a junior in high school, even. Now, my, my friend uh, had dial-up early on, and they had a computer, but, like, we didn't have one as a family. So, just a uh, little side note out there for everybody listening. People who are way older than you, give them credit because they, they got through life without an iPhone and Google and the Internet. And uh, not the easiest thing to do, as I can barely find my way around, you know, the metro area here without my phone telling me where to go. So, side note altogether. But, anyways... We're going to jump in and just talk about fitness tips for those people in their 30s. And if you're listening and you're 46 or 52, 61, or you're 27, um, don't tune out. These can help you too, especially if you are the 25, 6, 7, 8-year-old. Maybe you can learn a little bit something here and do things a little bit smarter, a little bit more efficiently before you hit the milestone of being 30. Now, I know a lot of people, again, shy away from getting older. They don't like to share their age. Uh, they feel like, you know, somehow that has a negative connotation to it. And I don't believe that. I believe, you know, you are as old as you feel. Now, there are things that happen as you get older 
Um, you know, my recovery at, at 36 is not the same as it was at 26. It's not the same as it was at 16. And I'm sure 46 will be even different than that. And just there's certain things and stages you just go through life. But I will say this with age comes experience. And for most people, if you are auditing and you're mindful, it comes with a lot of intelligence and a lot of learning. And you can see things from a different point of view. And you start to figure things out about, you know, what's truly important in life and is the juice worth the squeeze. And you start to value things that are more important. And what I mean is you start to value the real stuff in life. At least most people do. Uh, and I've been lucky enough to learn from people a lot older than me that made a lot of mistakes and that have done things correctly from those mistakes. And that's, you know, how I can sit here today and, and say the things I say because I've got to kind of live through them. And because they made the wrong choices, I won't make the same ones. And so that's kind of the benefit of, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, if you will. So turning 30 or being in your 30s, um, things start to change for most people. Uh, most people probably are, you know, becoming solidified in a career or picking a job or career path they maybe want to do for an extended period of time or at least hitting their groove if they've been in one, you know, since their 20s or, or fresh out of college. You might have more career responsibilities as well at this point. You're becoming, you know, higher up on the corporate ladder if that's the life you live in or if you're an entrepreneur or solopreneur you probably are being solidified in your business you maybe have a family um, you may be married maybe divorced at this point even maybe have a couple kids you've adopted a couple kids you've absorbed some from a, another marriage or the person you met in your quote-unquote second life around you know from the the first one that maybe didn't work out and just other responsibilities in general that that come with that maybe it's you know, home ownership, and you're, you're out of college, you're past that educational standpoint. So there's certain responsibilities that come with being, you know, in that 30, 35, 36, 7, 8, 9 range. Uh, you've, been, you've been around the block if you've made it past the age of 30. Um, you're not really new to the game of, of life anymore. You're supposed to be, quote unquote, an adult, even though I, you know, still feel like a 17-year-old kid at heart. I just, I, I fake it way better than most. I think that's probably the prize I'd get for that. Uh, but again, in terms of lifting and training, you're not new. Uh, you're a seasoned lifter. You're a seasoned person who's been training. And you probably noticed you have more stability in your life when you're in your 30s. You not, I'm not saying you have life figured out because here's the thing. None of us know what the fuck we're doing here. None of us knows what happens when we die. None of us knows what this is really about and, and what will be said about us once we're gone. And it, it will it even matter. But you do have more stability when you're in your 30s. I can say that to a standpoint of financially, I am in a space right now that I never thought I'd be in, even when I'm you know, 66, let alone 36. So there is that. Um, I've worked a certain way to get to that standpoint, but you just feel like you kind of know who you are. And at least I do. Uh, for me, I've done a lot of you know soul searching and I've been to a lot of events, conferences, been a lot of amazing people. And you just have a, a better stable foundation. And so being in your 30s is pretty fucking cool, man. And, and it can be a pretty fun time if you do it uh, right and if you kind of put all the pieces into play. Now, your physical body, on the other hand, well, that seems to slow down uh, a bit. Uh, even for me, uh, I notice it and I think I fare better than most of the people out there in my same age bracket. I think if you lined us all up, I'm in the upper, you know, zero, 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 probably 0.1% of all, you know, 
dudes in their 30s uh, because obviously this is what I do for a living in it and I do it but I again you do notice a big difference and, and for me specifically it's, it's probably lifestyle uh, the weekend binges uh, don't go on anymore for me at all and for you listening out there they probably don't go on for days um, and they don't probably stay around as long as you used to I remember like my wife and I were talking the other day even last night uh, we come home do our thing. We worked all week, grinded, had family in town, and uh, we watched The Irishman uh, on Netflix. And it's a Scorsese film. If you guys like Goodfellas and stuff like that, give it a watch. It's it's long. It's like three hours and 40 minutes, which is a time investment for me. And we started at like probably 5.45. And so I knew I was going to run late because I'm I'm old now. And I get up, you know, before 4 a.m. And as we watched it, great movie. Um, they could have made it a little bit shorter, side note. But as we head into bed, uh, I turned on the Arizona State, Arizona football game because it's literally, you know, a couple miles down the street from our house. And I'm like, holy shit, it's halftime. And it was like 9.30 or almost like 10 o'clock. And I'm like, it's like 9.45 and it's halftime of the football game. I'm like, can you imagine like being at a football game right now? And she's like, no. And, I, and then I thought to it, I'm like, when I met her, I would sometimes go meet her at the bar at 10 o'clock. And that's how we'd start our night. So when I'm 25, I'd be meeting her at the bar at 10 p.m. with some of our friends, you know, just to hang out and have drinks and not like go crazy, you know, and be taking shots until four in the morning. But we would go out at 10 and then, you know, stay out till, you know, one o'clock or so and then do our thing. And so that does change for, for most people. Some of my friends still live in the life and respect. They, they have a certain level of conditioning there. That they can do it. But it does change in terms of the weekend binge drinking and just kind of living that lifestyle and you almost have to do it if you become a health and fitness person because your body doesn't recover as fast as it once did. Um, I noticed that even in my 20s, you know, from my teens, you know, you used to be able to play six basketball games in a day. And by the time I was 25, 26, like those days were gone. And now it's like I play once a year and it's, I basically need a walker uh, afterwards. Because I still, you know, you still think you have the same skills and you do, but you just don't bounce back as quickly. So your body, doesn't recover as quick. You start to get some aches, uh, pains for a lot of you listening out there. You develop posture changes. Your energy levels um, are, are not what they used to be. And the weight for most people doesn't seem to drop off as quickly. People say, well, when I was 26, I could just do this for a couple days and be fine. I'm like, well, yeah, you're 38 now. You're 39 now. Um, life is catching up to you. There's certain stresses that come with that, especially for you out there who have more higher demanding careers, especially you guys who have, you know, multiple pets, you have a mortgage, you have car payments, you have credit card debt, you still have student loans, you got three kids, life is real. And you acquire things along the way, some of it very good knowledge, and some of it bad. And that's kind of the trade off, huh? You become smarter, you have more experience, but you also, you got some baggage with you. And I don't just mean like, you know, from a divorce or, or crazy things like that. I mean, like baggage in terms of just, you got more miles in the car. You know, cars are great and, you know, at they're great at 20,000 miles, they're great at 30,000 miles, they're great at 80,000 miles, but at 80,000 miles, you got to do a little maintenance. Um, you got a little wear and tear, you got a couple dings, maybe a chip in the windshield, maybe had to replace a tire or two, and that's kind of how I look at being in this age bracket. Like, it's a, it's a great car still, but you got to do a little bit of work to keep it fresh. And so with that said, 30 is, uh, you know, a pretty badass time in your life, Um but it doesn't mean your body has to suffer. It doesn't mean like you're getting old and you can't do things. You can be in the best shape of your life, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s and beyond. I do believe that. In fact, you should notice how smart you are. 
and understand in terms of your training, is the juice worth the squeeze when you hit the gym? And a lot of times as you get older, you get a lot smarter. And so you can get more done with less. And I'm going to share with you kind of the seven tips of how you can get more stuff done with less and have you guys who are into your 30s, even getting into your 40s, look, move, and feel way better than you did in your 20s. And we've done a podcast on this before, you know, getting fitter as you age. But these are going to be tactical tips that you can actually take and help you. If you're not doing these, and hopefully you guys already are, but if not, you know them and you start to understand them and take them with you and just know like, hey, I might not do the same stuff I did in my 20s, but I can look better with less effort because I'm training and eating and sleeping and living smarter, not harder than I used to. So the first one, just eating more protein, pretty basic. Protein matters, and as you get older, it sets you up uh, in a way to not eat all the other crap, basically. So, you know, under eating on good stuff is not what we want to do, and that means proteins, you know, low, you know, glycemic carbohydrates and fats. And typically when people, you know, under eat on protein, they're overeating on the bad stuff, processed foods, sugars, etc. And even if it's good stuff, you're still eating, you know, giant carbohydrates and fats in abundance. And for most people, if there's a caveat, it's like eat more protein, not less protein. Now there is a random knucklehead, you know, muscle freak out there who's going to eat, you know, he weighs 200 pounds, he's going to eat 400 grams of protein. And if you're a natural lifter and you're eating 400 grams of protein and you're 200 pounds, I think you're doing your body a huge disservice and you basically are just having really expensive, you know, urine and shit. Uh, That's just my two cents. But for the rest of you out there, we make protein the cornerstone of a healthy diet. So when you take a picture of your plate, proteins, greens, and what else is on there? Now, I'm going to get some vegan kickback here from you guys, and you can debate me all you want. And I'm not telling you, eat more plants, most definitely. But I do think you know animal protein is a great way to go for a lot of people. And again, I'm not saying you just have to eat you know processed, you know shitty ground beef, but you know, having grass-fed steaks, having, you know, wild-caught salmon, having pasteurized omega-3 fortified eggs is, is a pretty good place to start in terms of protein. So when you're deficient in protein, what happens for most people, you get a decrease in muscle mass. And that happens, you know, faster than you want to, especially as you age um, and as you're not eating enough protein to sustain the tissue you have on your body. And ideally, for a lot of people, we recommend you know, kind of the 0.8 grams to 1 gram per pound you weigh in terms of protein. So if you weigh 150 pounds, eating about 100 and, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 grams of protein is probably ideal. So somewhere in that range. Now, side note, if you have a ton and ton of weight to lose and your body fat's extremely high, we do typically recommend a little bit less protein because we're recommending less calories overall, maybe a little bit more of aggressive fat loss plan. And that's probably for the dudes out there who are over 20% body fat and the women out there who are over 30% body fat. We would probably, you know, recommend probably a little bit less just because we'd adjust the macros completely. But for most of you out there listening, um, if you're kind of in the, you know, those body fat ranges, if you're a woman and your, you know, body fat ranges in the 20s, if you're a dude out there and your body fat's, you know, in the, you know, upper teens, things like that, 0.8 grams to a gram per pound a day is probably ideal for you to keep as much lean tissue on your body as you can. And as we know, your muscle is your metabolism. So the more lean tissue you carry on your body every day, the leaner you're going to be and just the better all, you know, overall your life will be from the long haul. So number two, stretch your hip flexors 
and your hamstrings and your chest and basically do mobility daily. That's why I post on Instagram every day, mandatory mobility. We have full follow-along videos on our Instagram, IGTV, and our YouTube page. Again, if you guys are listening, you don't subscribe to the YouTube page, please do. Um, we have an entire mobility playlist. It's free. You can click it, watch it, do it on your phone, anywhere you're at. Um, it's a game changer. I think we have almost a thousand videos on there. So it's all free stuff just to help you guys. I ask nothing in return other than you watch it. And if you appreciate it, subscribe, leave a comment. I thank you for that. So, But as you guys hit you know, 30 and you probably travel for work or sit in a car more often, um, you're not as active as you used to be in your 20s. You're probably not in as many kickball leagues and doing flag football or <clears throat> excuse me, playing intramural sports and doing all the fun stuff you used to do, you sit on your ass at a computer and you type, or you sit on your ass at home and you're on Netflix all day, and you start to notice the body's a little bit stiffer, a little bit tighter, partially because you don't recover as fast, but more so because you sit all day, your butt becomes your feet, and you just get super tight and bound up, and you know low back pain becomes a real thing, and most of the time it's because your glutes are so tight and not in a good way that it causes you to refer back pain, either shooting up your back or down your leg, whether it be your piriformis or, you know, G-Meads, some, somewhere in there it's causing you to have, you know, some real issue. So, um, seriously, it doesn't just make you feel older, but you start to walk a little bit different and move a little bit different, and you kind of get that, you know, if you guys out there who maybe it's like tech neck or the dowager's hump where you start to just have this thoracic rounding of the spine because you type, you text, you sleep, you know, in the fetal position, you're driving a car, and you're not really reversing it. So due to being like a, you know, a diehard desk jockey and your knees are bent and being rounded on a keyboard, it's uh, not uncommon to be in this position more sitting than standing and walking for most of you so meaning you spend most of your day in a really shitty position for the body as opposed to walking and moving the body through space and a super easy fix is just to take time every single day hashtag mandatory mobility and stretch your chest open up your shoulders land a foam roller doing snow angels open up those hip flexors it's an insurance policy to make sure you reduce the risk of getting hurt doing non-contact stuff. So meaning most of you are not going to have contact injuries, meaning you're not going to get tackled. You're not going to you know, run into something. You're not going to fall down a hill. Most of you are just getting hurt just because you have shitty mobility and you're reaching for stuff and doing stuff randomly out of place because the muscles are so bound up and tight. It's almost like you put rubber bands in a freezer and then you take them out of the freezer and you try to stretch them really quick. It's like you guys getting out of bed and just like going for a run over time. It's like you need to warm up. You need to make sure the tissue and the body is loose doing tissue work and mobility. So make sure you guys are doing some form of tissue work, stretching and mobility, even yoga. I don't care any version of it every single day, even five to 10 minutes compounds like crazy. And if you don't, you're going to feel really old really quick. And I've talked about this a million times before. Three-fourths of people are in nursing homes because they cannot get on and off the toilet and go to the bathroom by themselves. That means 70 to 75% of people who are stuck in a nursing home is because they can't do three-fourths of a bodyweight squat consistently over time because they have shit mobility. Strength is going to go. It, it just is. And how we look is going to go. It's just part of it. But you can own the mobility pretty much forever. Like you can own being mobile if you just never let it go and make it a priority. I don't see how your work emails are more fucking important than your mobility moving through life. It's just, I, I don't mean to get like super riled up about this, but I, I just don't understand it. Look at somebody 
who's 75 years old but moves like they're 175. It's painful. It's sad. It's depressing to watch. And the saddest part would be you doing that knowing you did it to yourself because you didn't take time to do mobility work five to ten minutes a day. You didn't take time to foam roll five to ten minutes a day. You didn't get yourself a massage, you know, three to five times per year. You didn't go in and get a you know an injury that's been nagging looked at. You didn't ask a trainer or a coach or professional to help you out and walk you through the steps. What was more important than that? The bullshit stuff you watched on Netflix every day? Some dumbass work emails? I get it. You got to make money, dude. But like the email is still going to be there in five minutes. The phone call is still going to be there in 10 minutes. If you can't wake up 10 minutes earlier or stay up 10 minutes later and do mobility and tissue work, you just don't give a shit about your future self. That's all it comes down to. And again, sorry, you guys, I got off topic. And But when you hear me say it, you have to understand how important I think it is. And I do this for a living. I work with people just like you. If you're listening, I work with I work with you. Whether I've ever met you or not, or you guys even live in this country, I have worked with you. And I've worked with you today. I work with you 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And I see how important it is. So take heed when I lay this info out to you. Number three. You got to sprint. Um, and th- this might not necessarily mean like, you know, sprinting at the track. For a lot of you, if, if you have the mobility to do that, maybe it's quick running and not really sprinting. And again, I, I say this at 36. I, I ran with uh, my wife and some of the CISFIT girls who ran track in college, much younger than me. And that was one of the first times where I was like, holy shit, these girls are fast. And I have to actually try uh, to beat them. And uh, I could do it, even as heavy as I am and uh, being substantially older. I could still turn it on, but man, I start to feel things about to go. And I've pulled a hamstring before. I have my butt cheek full black and blue, so I've been there. Uh, It's not fun. So I'm not telling you guys to actually physically go out and sprint um, if you don't have the skill set. And if you're not doing mobility and stretching, please do not go out and sprint. It's the last thing you guys should do. But you should be doing some bouts of high-intensity cardio and aerobic work. Um, that's going to have a huge impact on your body and the overall look of it and your body fat and fat loss. And so being in your 20s, you know, cardio was something that maybe you did as a female. And if you're a dude, you probably didn't do it because you're stupid. <clears throat> no offense, guys, but we're just not, we're not bright and we play to our strengths. And we think we have to lift. And again, cardio is not, it's not a necessity. Like you don't necessarily have to do it if you did everything else perfect. But most of you aren't going to do everything else perfect. So to me, it's like cardio is like ketchup. just makes everything better. Or if you're from the Midwest, cardio is like ranch. You just put that shit on everything and just makes everything taste a little bit better. You get some crappy French fries, dip it in ranch. Now they're the best French fries you ever had. So that's a little you know, Midwestern joke for you guys out there listening. But either way, um, some form of intense aerobic work, whether it be on a machine uh, or just body weight stuff. And again, don't underestimate the benefits of like hit work. And I'm talking like the intense all out effort. And if you want a side note for examples, in our space here, we do have air runners, which are great for sprinting. They're the, the treadmills without the motors. Now, some people don't have the skill set for that, but the, the one machine, and again, if you can ski, uh, if you can row, those are very low impact on the joints. You can go hard as hell on them for 30 seconds to a minute, and it can put you out of commission. For some people, again, the ski, not as technical as the row, even though it is a technical machine. The, the row is much harder to teach. It's not a natural movement. Um, most people butcher rowing and they're terrible at it. We try to drill down on it here best we can, but obviously it takes longer than even the time we have for people to perfect it. The one thing you can do is you can hop on a salt bike. 
Everybody hates an assault bike and everybody can do it because it doesn't take a skill. It's riding a bike. The pedals and the arms actually move for you. And as soon as you get it moving, it moves. And so you can hop in that thing, rip it for 30 seconds, get off it for a minute, come back for 30 second rips. You can do that five times, a couple times a week and you guys will be set. Or you want to go even less crazy, just get a hundred pound sled. We have the rogue sleds here that weigh 96 pounds. Hop on a rogue sled and just push it. Just walk as quick as you can for a minute, then relax and repeat that for a couple of minutes and you guys are golden. But I do believe the high end, and when I say high intensity, people think high impact. That's not correct. High intensity does not mean high impact on the joints. You don't have to do a bunch of dumb, crazy shit. You just have to try hard for a short period of time and then rest. That's it. So I think all of you should be doing some form of that at least a couple times a week. Number four, when you get in your 30s, you got to get your hormones checked. I think everybody should go to the doctor at least once a year and get a physical. If not, I'd do a couple more times to test your blood work. But yeah, you got to get your hormones checked as you get older and make an appointment with like your, you know, general practitioner, your normal doctor you go to, even like a nurse practitioner is fine. And just get a basic blood work done, basic hormone panel. Um, and what you're looking for is deficiencies in key hormones for most of you guys, like your thyroid. Um, estrogen and probably your testosterone. Those are probably the big three for most you got there. And men, um, if you're in your 30s, get your testosterone checked. I can't tell you how many times that we've had dudes come in and get their stuff checked and it was crazy low. And it probably explains why the dudes come in and, you know, um, sometimes, you know, cry on the assault bike. And it, it might be the assault bike itself or it just might mean their hormones are going crazy and they're going through, quote unquote, like a, a menopause phase of life. Um, but in all seriousness, a lot of that stuff, they can fix it with, you know, HRT, hormone replacement. If you don't want to go that route, there's a lot of other natural things that do work to raise testosterone. They just, they're not quite as effective, but they can work depending on how low the levels are. And if you don't feel good, those might be options for you guys out there listening. We've done a full podcast on hormones as well. We had, uh, you know, Dr. Ben Evans on. He kind of went into detail about it. And for ladies, uh, you too. You have to get your hormones checked. It's important um, to really understand it. And again, the hormone panels are really subject to interpretation of what, you know, certain doctors consider low for certain people. And I can say, you know, every doctor kind of has their own opinion on it. Some, you know, consider stuff that's medically low to be fine. And some consider that you need a replacement for it. So what I would do is get a copy of, of all your results, do some research and consult maybe a couple people outside of just your general physician and uh, maybe get a specialist and have you know a hormone expert kind of look at it and get you know see both sides of the fence, get the pros, get the cons, ask two or three, you know doctors or if you have you know some nurse, you know physician friends and, and see what they think about it and then just make the best educated guess from there because I know if your hormones are not running right and my wife had you know low thyroid for a little bit, she was able to correct it through you know not stressing as much, sleep, diets, training and kind of the the whole nine yards there. Um, but some people can't. Some people have to you get on some kind of replacement or medication or, or change their lifestyle. I think for most of you listening, it's probably lifestyle change. But there is medically, uh, there's medical reasons why some of you have low hormones. And you just, no matter what you do, you can't combat it the natural way. So if you have to do a replacement, so be it. But all I know is when you're trying to make results in terms of your body and how it looks, moves, and feels, and recovers, and even sleep quality, and, and in terms of even going as far as being depressed, your hormones play a huge part in all those things. And if you're trying to make results and make progress and make a change, it's like ice skating uphill. Maybe you can do it, but man, 
It's really fucking hard. Just make life easier on yourself and get uh, get your hormones checked. And just for a side note, you should be getting a physical once a year anyway. Um, just to see, you know, what's going on in your body and where everything stands. And same for that, you know, go to the dentist, you know, a couple times a year. I think that's cool. Go to the eye doctor. Uh, for a lot of you guys, you know, get your skin checked. All the normal stuff you should be doing as we get older to prevent anything that might be kind of rearing its head around the corner. If you can stop it earlier than later, I think you're going to be better off for it. Number five, uh, you got to count calories at some point or at least track macros. If you never have, I think that's cool. Um, but yeah, man, macros matter. Calories matter. Your days of uh, you know being 21, eating pizza, and crushing booze and waking up and, and looking fine are, are probably gone for most of you. Um, if you're the genetic anomaly, you maybe can still get away with it for a little bit, but odds are you're probably just skinny fat. And it's really doing a lot more damage than you understand. It's almost like it hurts you if you don't look bad from it because you think you can still get away with it, even though internally it's fucking you up at a level you probably don't understand. But at this point, um, you notice that if you eat pizza, it probably takes two, three, four days for your body to, to get rid of it, uh, which is pretty annoying, I'm sure. And what I mean get rid of it is you, you become bloated, uh, you look a little bit bigger, a little bit puffier, and maybe your your digestive system slows down. That's probably the one thing I would notice too. Like I used to, like when I used to, like I'd work at the Arnold, right? And we'd be there hanging out, doing whatever, eating great, um, you know, doing photo shoots for the brands and stuff we work with, or the Olympia, wherever I was at. And uh, I would binge hard. I was the, you know, habitual eat, you know, perfect, and then just go, completely fucking crazy on the other end so I'd eat amazing then we go to this place called Oregano's here if you guys are familiar if you ever come to you know Scottsdale Phoenix area go to Oregano's the pizza uh, is for surely worth it and I would eat like two full pizzas no joke not exaggerating here I'd eat like two full pizzas and then uh, crush this thing called a pizzuki a little cast iron skillet and it'd be uh, it's basically like a half-baked you know chocolate chip cookie with ice cream uh, drizzled on the top of it and that's what I would do um And I would be sick as shit, but I would feel crappy for like a day and uh, go to the bathroom awkwardly for about a day too. And if I did that at this point, I would probably look and feel like shit for three days and I would make myself go to the bathroom by any means necessary. But man, it would be rough uh, on my digestive system for probably at least two or three days, if not more. So I say that because you guys should at least start auditing your food and when you eat something, see how it makes you feel. First off, not only that day, but the next morning when you wake up and throughout the day and start to understand the power of food and how it makes you feel and go through your life. I want you guys to start tracking your food if you're serious, you know, about fat loss and be aware of the food quality that you're eating. And I'm not saying you have to eat all organic, just vegetables and all this crazy shit, but you know, simple stuff. You're picking oatmeal over donuts, you know, you're doing, you know, basic, you know, real rice cakes with some peanut butter over crushing Twinkies, you know, just little changes over time and see how that makes the body feel. Um, And just start using a basic food tracker like MyFitnessPal. We have all our people here track it for three days um, just to see kind of what they're doing over time and understand, okay, here's where my normal calories fall and here's where kind of my macros fall. And you can have a educated coach help you make some basic adjustments. But I think for most people, self-regulating just by eating real food. And when I say real food, again, I know everything's real. Everything has chemicals too. I understand that. When I say real food, I mean like in its close to real form as possible. So 
if you tend to pick bananas and apples over cookies and donuts, you're probably going to be better off. And people are like, well, Jeremy, it's all sugar and it's all carbohydrates. Yeah, dick, I understand that. But I've never met anybody who ate six bananas in a row. I'm sure they're out there. I've never met anybody who ate five apples in a row. I'm sure they're out there. I know a lot of people who eat six donuts in a row. I know a lot of people who eat five cookies in a row. I'm one of them. I've done both those things. I've never ate four bananas at one time. I've never ate four apples at one time. But I can crush eight cinnamon rolls in about 15 seconds. See where I'm going with this? Like, If you self-regulate by eating real food, you're probably better off. I understand they're both sugar. And again, there's a time and place where like, I don't want to eat a banana. I want to eat the cookies. And I know the effects of it. I know I'm going to pay the price for it. And sometimes I can have self-control. Most of the time I can't. So that's why I choose not to do it. But understand, if you're keeping it towards real food, you're probably going to be better off most of the time. And then obviously tracking everything else and just asking, hey, is the juice worth the squeeze here? And what do I feel like when I drink six beers? What do I feel like when I eat eight pieces of pizza? And then you make the call from there. Number six. Your technique in the gym matters now probably more than it ever has in the history of your life. The days of doing stupid-ass heavy shit that you really can't control, doing things with crappy form, doing irresponsible box jumps and just really reckless movement, those days are done. When you're in your 20s, you can probably get away with it. And even then, I would say, if you're listening in your 20s, stop doing dumb shit that's not serving you. Ask yourself, what is the point of this exercise? And do I have to do it this way to get the result? You make the call, but in your 20s, you can probably do some like half-assed, you know, haphazard lifts and still recover the next day. But man, that's just probably, a, you know, the luck of being younger, if you will. If you want to really maximize your workouts, the form trumps the weight every single day of the week. Let me repeat that. Chasing quality reps, not just the clock. Chasing proper form beats just moving heavy shit up and down. I'm not saying to not go hard when you train, but there's a time and place and there's certain movements to go hard on and there's certain things you should not. When you notice your your form right, is falling below anything less than ideal for me or less than you know your 90% best, I would tell you guys to lighten up the load because you're also going to find out when you're in your 30s and getting closer to 40 and so on, injuries happen a lot easier and they take probably two to three times as long to recover from. And again, I'm not saying you can't do box jumps. We just did them here for a thousand rep workout, but I did them in sets of 10 on a 24 inch box safely and effectively. And I have the skill set and I have no previous joint pain at my knees, hips, or ankles, and I've never had an issue with them, and I know how to do them correctly. On a soft padded box, as I watched a 25-year-old you know, coach we have in here doing them, looking at himself in the mirror because he thought he looked fly, and he takes a stumble and he falls. And again, he takes a stumble and he falls, which we make a joke about it and we laugh, because A, fatigue gets real, but he's 25 and he'll survive. But it's also on a padded box. It's not on a metal box. It's not on a wood box. And we're not doing it for time. He's only racing against himself. And so again, for most of you out there listening, can you do box jumps? Sure. But it's like running around your house with scissors. What's the point? It's not, you know, am I going to get hurt? It's when am I going to get hurt? And same thing for you out there listening. 
if you're going for bench press PRs and back squat PRs and deadlift PRs, I'm not telling you not to do those things, but are you competing? And if you're not, who gives a shit? I mean, I don't care what you guys deadlift. If someone comes up to me and says, Jeremy, I out bench press you. I'm like, super cool. Uh, what what do you want? An award? Like, it means absolutely nothing to me. Do I know what I bench press? I have no clue what I can do. I have no clue what I can even deadlift anymore. I have no clue what I can even squat anymore. It's irrelevant to me. I'm trying to do this as long as I can, <clears throat> excuse me, as safely as I can for the rest of my life. That's it. How can I tax the muscle as much as possible but keep the joint safe? That's what I try to do. I'm 36 and my wife was just filming me and I thank her for saying this uh, on Saturday here doing a bunch of video content and uh, she's like, wow, you look the best you've ever looked by far. She's like, you're, you know, super lean every single day and you have a good amount of muscle tissue on you. No, I've been bigger in my life before. I used to weigh 237 pounds. Now I weigh, the other day I weighed 217, so it's 20 pounds lighter. But to be 217 pounds and be this lean and this elongated and have nice long, you know, muscle bellies and, and not have a bunch of injuries and stuff weighing me down, I feel great and I attribute that to me being smarter and I don't I don't train for two hours. I don't train, you know, three times a day. I'm not picking up heavy stuff I can't control. In fact, I probably lift the least amount of weight I've lifted in probably the past 10 years for certain things. Certain things I'm just naturally stronger overall, but I can do so much more quality volume than I've ever done in my past. And I'm so much smarter with things like, okay, if this hurts me, why do I have to do it? So I stay away from the things that I find crush me in terms of joints and it really wear my body down. And I'm like, well, can I get, you know, more done with less? And that's what I try to do. So I try to make, you know, light loads go an extremely long way. And I've noticed that about myself. And then when I come in here to work, I'm, I'm a better coach. I'm a better husband, I'm a better friend, I'm a better boss, I'm a better everything because I have energy. I don't feel this joint pain. I don't feel like a bag of shit. Now, I might be tight certain days because I still do push it. I'm an animal and I'll do what I have to, but I do it in a safe way. And there's days in here where I can come in, I can beat everybody's ass. And there's days where I come in here and I'm like, I'm just trying to make it through the day, bro. And you have to really pick your spots with it and be smart about it and know, you know, you might need an extra day to recover in between. And I don't want to do things, and again, nothing there's no numbers in the gym. There's no PR number of a lift or anything we could do on the bike, ski, row, or any workout that's worth me getting hurt. I just, I'm not willing to risk it at this point. I just don't care. I really just want to be healthy and happy. And I want that to be, you know, inside the gym as well as outside the gym. I won't want to do something where I hurt. And again, injuries happen. It's just kind of part of the game. There's little, you know, bumps and bruises and nicks you'll get. And sometimes, you know, things will get worn out, a shoulder or something, and you have to deal with it. But I try to avoid that at all costs. I think you all out there listening should as well. The goal should be for you to look like you can bench 600 pounds. Whether you can or not is irrelevant to me. The goal should be, you know, that you look like you, you could complete a triathlon. Whether you can or not, who knows? But you look like it. And the crazy thing is, is the longer you take care of yourself like that, you're naturally just going to get, you get stronger. And strength, I'm not talking about like one rep max stuff. I'm talking like, can you do lunges for 10 straight minutes? Can you row a 5K in under 20 minutes? Like there's other ways to measure things. Can you do 50 push-ups? Can you do 10 pull-ups? Like all these things add up over time. And the compound effect of that. Is something you can take with you as you get to 40, 50, 60, and beyond. Last one before I let you guys go real quick. 
the sugar. Um, I could say this about booze too. And I'm not telling you guys to drink. We've done a whole podcast on alcohol. Obviously, everything in moderation, enjoy it. But right off the bat, I'm not trying to tell you to never eat sugar and never drink booze. And I'm not saying that you have to follow, you know, this keto, you know, or carnivore, some crazy zero carbohydrate diets. But for most of you, the less booze and the lower sugar is probably ideal for you in your life. As you're in your 30s, you're going to find your body does not rebound quite as well to things like booze overload as well as sugar overload. And for most of you out there, if we're talking sugar, probably anything more than 75 grams per day is probably a little bit too high, especially if you're not active and you have a risk of diabetes. I think that is going to increase if you're crushing 75, 85, 95, 100 grams of sugar plus per day. So I'd say keeping it on the low range is probably fine. Um, I'm sure you guys got friends out there or family members who have diabetes. Um, and as you can tell, that shit sucks, man. It is not fun to have. And you would not something you want to have to manage for the rest of your life. So I would make it a habit of starting to cut the sugar down and cut your sugar intake. If you guys are tracking it and you notice you're over that kind of 75, 85, 100 gram range, not only are you going to feel better, but you're going to notice, you know, probably a longer, more steady, sustainable energy throughout your day. Same thing for the drinking. I'm not telling you you can't booze. Um, I had, you know, drank some whiskey uh, Thanksgiving with my, uh, you know, father-in-law, um, little Lagavulin, 16, shout out to Ron Swanson if you guys are into smoky whiskey. If not, uh, monkey shoulder as a side note is a pretty good smooth kind of blended whiskey scotch you guys could take down that's not as zero smoke in it so if you're not a smoky person that's cool and again even for me i have to be in a certain mood to drink the lagavulin whiskey but uh, anyways i digress the point is like i had one or two with him just to you know it's what you do on the holidays sometimes to make other people feel comfortable even though i could go the rest of my life without drinking booze and on the same note i could be the guy who drinks a bottle of whiskey a day so i, I live in a dangerous space but the point is is pick your spots with the sugar, with the cookies, with the cinnamon rolls, with the treats, with the processed shit, and pick your spots with the booze. You don't got to drink every day. And if you do a two ounce pour of something, you can probably get by on. But having, you know, two, three, four, you know, drinks, when I say like a drink, I mean like a restaurant pour, not your pour of wine. Anytime people come to us and say, well, I had two glasses of wine, we automatically write down in their file, they drink four a night because we assume they're lying because so many people have done it in the past because your pour is probably more generous than the restaurant pour. And that's what I'm talking about. And so having a drink is probably fine. But if you're having one drink per night in your normal life, and then weekends it goes up, and then holidays and vacations it goes up, all of a sudden you're having 600, 700, 800 drinks per year. And I know people think that's crazy, but stop this right now and think to yourself, wow, if, if you're a person who habitually drinks, like, wow, he's right. I probably had a thousand drinks this year. Holy shit. It starts to add up quicker than you think. So your body just doesn't respond and bounce back as quick from alcohol and sugar as it used to when you were 21. It's just the reality of it. So I would limit it and just really pick your spots and be mindful of it and really make it worth it. Um, And do it with friends and do it with family if that's your thing and if you like to be social with them because food and drink is meant to be social and have fun. I just know in America, if you guys are Americans listening, um, we really overdo the celebrating. Like we celebrate everything with food and booze and that's fine, but it's, it's way too much. It's just, we do it for, you know, Thanksgiving becomes a five day 
you know, celebration, which is great, but you don't have to eat like shit and drink shit all five days. And the same thing for the Christmas time and with New Year's and with like birthdays and, you know, baby showers and weddings and vacations and all that stuff is great. And I, and I want you to enjoy your life. But if you're not perfect in your quote unquote real life and you did all those days of shit, it adds up to be a lot real quick. And it's just the compound effect of that adds to that baggage you carry with you over time. And especially if you guys are doing it and you're eating so much and having, you know, food comas and sugar comas and hangovers from alcohol, that it's causing you not to be active. It's causing you not to get quality sleep. It's causing you to be stressed. It's causing you to have your hormones go out of whack. That's when I think it becomes a problem. So just my two cents. Those are the seven tips Trav had laid out. I wanted to give them to you guys because I do think they're important as a 36-year-old myself, I really pick my spots and I really make sure I can do this for as long as I choose to do it. And what I mean by this is like this life. And, and I don't see it as a time where I ever don't eat right and drink right and train. But I'm still doing it on a very, very, very high level, which I consider for me. And uh, it's not easy to do. And my body has to run on optimal for me to be able to work, you know, basically about 100 hours a week and, and still do these podcasts and give out all the free stuff and still coach our people and still be present in my life with my friends and my family. And so all that revolves around me really treating my body like it's the most precious commodity that I have because it's my health and it truly is. And I want you guys to all be the same. If you really want to be healthy and active and fit and look and move and feel your best and you're in your 30s moving into your 40s or your 40s going into the 50s or 50s to 60s, I think these tips can all help you guys because the key is how can we look, move, and feel our best for as long as possible and make it a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. And I think these kind of seven keys are a great base uh, to build your foundation on. So anything else you all want to hear on the podcast, shoot me a DM, send me an email. I'm happy to record it. I have a huge Q&A one I'll probably get to later this week for you guys, but uh, I want to do these in the weekends because I had a little bit of free time. Um, we're filming a ton of stuff at the end of the week here with Dr. Sean Robeck, which we've had on the podcast as well. A lot of kind of fixes, common things he sees with people and postures that hopefully we can help you all kind of feel better. So those will be on the IGTV as well as our YouTube page. So make sure you guys are subscribed there. And as always, a reminder, if you're on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. If you're on your phone, go to your podcast app, click it, scroll all the way down, hit that five star, and just leave a comment. I don't care what it is. If you think I suck, if you think I'm great, I appreciate the honesty. Um, and I thank you guys for that. If you're on your MacBook or your iPad, just click the iTunes icon, type in Jeremy Scott Fitness on the, the podcast search, five star and comment. I truly would appreciate it. Other than that, anything else I have crazy coming on the pipe? I don't think so. Um, just normal stuff. Just living life and uh, trying to have a good time. But if you... Oh, again, uh, what else are we doing? Yeah, in the new year, we'll kick off our 47-day transformation. So if you guys are interested in that, we'll be starting that again early in January. So just put that on your radar. That is our flagship transformation program where we really dive deep into habits, rituals, and routines trying to make you live your best life possible. So um, that is coming up as 2020 gets here. So... Until next time, everybody, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please just keep doing shit you love of people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to all you guys soon. Peace.